Welcome back to the Australian Fund Monitors Meet the Manager series. The Loreola Investment Fund invests in life settlements and looks to provide investors with stable and non-correlated returns. While generating cash flow from investments, the latter fund to be used as a fixed income alternative, as well as a portfolio diversifier. The fund has returned 16.59% per annum since inception in May 2013, with a maximum drawdown of just minus 4.9%. The fund is lowly and in some cases negatively correlated to most of the popular asset sectors. I'm joined today by Alex Lee, Director of Investor Relations at L'Oreola Advisors. Alex, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Alex, why should investors consider life settlements? I think um, life settlements by itself is a very interesting asset class. Uh, it's, um, if you look at its investment characteristics, it's got potentially uh, the returns of equity, but with the stability of fixed income and with the added benefit of it being mostly uncorrelated to what happens in the public markets uh, in most times, right? Uh, I'll give you, I'll run some stats uh, by you um, and I'll use my own fund as the, as the representative of the life settlement industry. So let's say if you take S&P 500 over the last um, seven years or so, um, it would have a, it would have a, it would have been negative. We have reported negative months in about 29 out of 90 months. I'm taking the whole time frame as as the fund, right? ASX 200 would have reported 34 negative months out of 90 months, right? The, the live settlement funds like L'Oreola, like our fund, we reported two negative months out of that 19 months period. So the, 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 the stability of returns is, is there, right? On average, each month in the S&P would, over that same period, would give you about, about 0.7 to 0.8% return, right? Uh, AXX 200 would have given you about 0.6% return. Uh, the L'Oreola fund over the same time period would have given you about 1.3% return, right? Um, now, we had some really good years at the beginning. So now we're look, the average is closer to about 0.7.8, which is on par with S&P 500. So what we're effectively doing is we're, we're giving somewhat equity-like returns, but with the stability of fixed income. And, and that's kind of due to the nature of, 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 uh, of life settlements. Uh, now, if we dig a bit deeper and you take the time to understand why does it work as, as well as it does, it's uh, life settlements are resold insurance policies. Um, they, it is a form of financing that's extended to an individual um, that is backed by the individual's life policy, right? And the way it works is we would, a life settlement investor would give a lump sum to the individual, usually a senior, We'll give a lump sum to the individual for their expenses, you know, their the, the cash flow, whatever. We'll, we'll extend the amount. Um, the life settlement post, uh, investor will then commit to paying the premiums on that policy until the policy matures. Upon maturity of the policy, um, the death benefit, because the maturity would, would involve the insured passing away, the death benefit would, be, would then be used to pay for the lump sum and to pay for the premiums that were paid and a return for the investor, right? On average, if uh, a well-managed fund would give about eight to 12% per annum on such an arrangement, right? And this works because it disrupts 
what the life insurance industry does. Um, as, a, as, a, as a person gets older, they've been paying 30 years of premiums to the life insurance companies. As they get older, they, they would have uh, some cash flow problems, maybe increased healthcare expenses, less income, right? They don't want to pay the insurance policy premiums anymore. Uh, and they only get the benefit, the benefit only gets paid after they die. So they can't go, why do I want to have this policy anymore? So they will give up on that policy. Now the insurance company has already made provisions to pay for the death benefit. If, a, if an insured person gives up on that policy, the insurance company keeps all of the profits. What we are doing here with, with live settlements is we're coming in in the middle and ensuring that the insurance company pays the, 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 the uh, death benefit out um, and gives a better solution, a better outcome to the insured person. So we're effectively paying forward the, uh, the benefit to the, uh, to the insured. And that's why it works. And that's why everyone's in a better off position, just because we're lending financial resources to uh, seniors to have a better cash flow situation. You gave some examples then of uh, the negative correlation or low correlation to um, some equity markets. Um, what a lot of people don't realise, and I mentioned in the introduction, is that it's uh, that the asset sector is negatively correlated to some fixed interest markets. Um, do you think that this lower for longer interest rate environment that we're seeing at the moment is going to persist? Unfortunately, it is going to persist. Um, it is uh, the uh, it, and it all comes back to the banks, right? Um, the banks make money by lending money at a higher rate and financing it with lower interest rates uh, by paying out to depositors. Now with, uh, with, and everything gets referenced to that rate, right? Um, if a bank pays out 0.5% to depositors, uh, everything else paid to in that market would be referenced to that 0.5, for example. And so if, and for banks, uh, at this point in time, they have multiple sources of funding. They can get money from depositors, they can get money from the government. They can get money from other banks. And, and right now the whole world uh, is printing lots of money. So there is a lot of money out there in this world, right? So they can always fund um, their, their, their business model, right? There's no reason why they want to pay anybody higher interest rates because if I have to pay higher interest rates to this person, I'll go somewhere else because since there's someone else who's willing to give me the money, right? Therefore, interest rates are going to be much lower for the foreseeable future. Interest rates will usually hike when uh, economic activity picks up. There is growth, there is production, but we have just spent the last six to nine months fighting a pandemic and the fight's not over yet, right? The stimulus money, all of those money coming out, they are not actually productive money. You know, they are money paid for us to fight the virus. No new chairs are being made, no new uh, sort of, uh, uh, buildings are being built, like less of them. Those are not productive anymore, just being paid to sit at home. Yep. Um, with that, governments will continue to, could continue to, 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 to open the tabs, provide free money to the banks. And as long as the, as long as the banks do not have to go out anywhere else to, to look for funding, they will keep deposit rates low. I think that's a really strong point. Uh, and while L'Oreola is relatively new to Australian investors, You've operated overseas uh, for quite a long time. Um, tell me, what do you think Australian investors can learn from some of the family offices 
uh, both in Europe and Asia who have been dealing with this lower for longer style uh, interest rate environment for the last couple of years. It's interesting you say that I, mean, I spent quite a bit of my career outside of Australia and we have been and other economies have been in this environment for a much longer period of time. So it was very interesting to see the reactions or the, the, uh, how they have reacted to this environment. Uh, there were, there's two things that, that kind of really pops up to mind with the ones that are more sophisticated in terms of their, their way of thinking. <clears throat> uh, so if you, take a, if you take a family office and you, uh, what, what's the first thing they did was they took the, they put on a new lens in terms of how they would look at the asset allocation. They thought about, okay, we have a, we've got an equity and bond type of portfolio. Why do we have this kind of mix? And then they'll realize, okay, equity is for growth. You want your assets to go to the moon. Um, and your bond portfolio is really for stability of, of returns. That's your stable type of, um, of income. And traditionally you go, if I put my money in a bank, that's stable, right? And that's, that's the thinking that they usually have. But once they were in this environment where interest rates were lower, they really looked at what, what it meant to have this fixed income portfolio. What do they do with this fixed income portfolio? And then they realized we could actually mess around with it and uh, take a step back. As long as we look for stability of returns, returns that are uncorrelated to the market, that's our fixed income portfolio. You know, that enables us to take risk on the growth side. So we have to take care of the fixed income side and then we can take risk on the growth side. So that was one of the lessons that they had. And the, and the second takeaway, and that was that lens, right? The second takeaway was that, what did they then do? Um, one of the strategies that, that, that came out was, if banks are only gonna pay us so little interest rates because it's an expense item for them, what if, and we have the capital, what if we stepped into the role of the bank and provide financing and we earn what the bank earns on their revenue line? You know, we might, the, the families might not have the expertise, so they'll hire managers to kind of run that for them. Hmm. So, and that becomes the genesis of quite a number of kind of fixed income alternative funds, if you like. So you, you have guys who would do property debt, who are good at managing property debt. You have guys who are good at financing SMEs. Um, you've got trade finance people. You've got guys who are more specialized guys who would do regulatory capital kind of management. So all of those funds came up. Um, L'Oreal was one of those funds that came out from that because L'Oreal was started up by a, a bunch of rich individuals who wanted to do this and identified life settlements as the, as the area they want to get to, hired some industry veterans, and off they went. Right? This was done seven years ago. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. I think a lot of Australians don't have a, uh, a lot of experience with uh, life settlements, but uh, I think many do understand that uh, looking for uncorrelated assets is important, um, particularly reduced sequencing risk, and really the last uh, 9 to 12 months has shown us that. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you.